What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Insurrection Inc. podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right. Are we recording? And we are recording. We are recording. Welcome to Insurrection Inc. We got a smaller crew tonight. It's just Stratty, Porter, and me. And we got a very special topic. We're talking about one of Stratty's true heroes, who he holds just about in high regard as Ron Paul, founder of the Mises Institute, probably one of the most important people in the liberty movement. Would you like to say his name, Stratty? That is Mr. Llewellyn H. Rockwell. Or as people know him. Lou Rockwell. Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> no one says that full name. It's Welsh. Uh, anyway, how's everybody doing tonight? I'm, I'm doing, doing pretty well. I'm coming at y'all loud and clear with a new uh, microphone. I finally, finally, after so many months, Jay pestered me for so long. I finally got one. So many so, tweets. Uh, so many tweets directed at you. You, you said he was going to flex y'all. too. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, he, he had to. But I can flex harder brag a little bit. because I have a new microphone and a new audio interface, so I am better than Porter still, as I am in everything. Well, sounds except like shit running your abilities. Wi-Fi is bad. <laughs> yeah, well, your Wi-Fi is bad too. You've been cutting out, asshole. Have uh, I've been having yeah. a good time. I don't have anything new uh, to brag about on the podcast. I have a new podcast. Uh, yeah, but nobody cares about that. This one. Nobody cares. No, we're not talking about that. Uh, go to the Law of Liberty. Uh, I'm fucking. I'm not uh, cut that. But I'm just messing around. We've, uh, um, I've never listened to an episode of it, and I'm not going to out of solidarity. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I wanted to talk about Lou Rockwell because you know I'm a nerd like the rest of y'all. So I'm always trying to find new things about the people we like, and uh, I noticed there's not a lot of discussion about Lou Rockwell within libertarian circles itself. Uh, really, all the discussion you'll find about Lou Rockwell is a bunch of leftist or dumb liberals, neoliberals, not not the good kind of liberals that Lou likes. Uh, they're just, you know, bitching about him, saying that he's a bunch of things that he's not. Uh, so I kind of wanted to do this episode to talk about him, not in a, you know, a history of Lou Rockwell or anything like that, but rather talk about why I think he should be uh, pushed more on uh, certain people within the liberty movement or certain people that we can attract to the liberty movement. And uh, I, was, I would call those people laymen, and I would consider myself one of them because, I mean, I'm a smart person, but, you know, I struggle <laughs> to understand the big academic words and, you know, complex concepts when they're first introduced to me are a little hard to catch on to unless they're broken down, uh, basically. So... Re, so when I was getting into the liberty movement, you know, I wouldn't, I really always enjoyed free market economics, but I couldn't always, I couldn't ever call myself a Chicago or Austrian for the longest time because I had the hardest time understanding all these nuances between uh, Austrian economics and, you know, Chicago school. Uh, and the reason for that was it was just hard for me to read people like Mises, uh, Hoppe. Uh, and I never really cared to try and read people like Milton Friedman because he never, as you know, as cool as he can be at times, he was never too appealing to me. So I got really, to me. <laughs> so I got really into uh, Lou Rockwell, as y'all know, when I read Against the State, and that's what kind of got me into the ideology of 
anarchism, specifically anarcho-capitalism. But it wasn't until I read like the left, the right, and the state uh, by Lou Rockwell that I truly understood Austrian economics was able to start arguing Austrian ec economics, start reading more advanced, uh, nuanced, convoluted type text uh, about Austrian economics. It wasn't until I read that book that I was able to, you know, immerse myself in that. So what I've, you know, have been thinking about lately is, gee, there's a lot of great people that might agree with these concepts, agree with these ideas that we're trying to promote and push out there, you know, ideas that would make society more efficient and better. Uh, but I think uh, the reason they never really come to us or come to our side at all is because it, there's it, it's hard for a lot of people to understand these things and when the most prominent people that uh are pushed like Mises or Hoppe uh when they're pushed and they're hard to you know uh <laughs> when those kind of people are pushed and their texts are really hard to read um uh, because as I said they write with very convoluted language it's hard for basic laymen like myself to catch on so uh, what I was thinking was, really, Lou Rockwell, he should be pushed more uh, just for that fact alone that, you know, when I read that book, obviously, I was able to understand uh, the economics, the Austrian school better. And I was able to uh, say, yes, this is what I adhere to. I was able to argue it. But also, the, that book, it, it taught me so much more. Like, there's these great bits of history that you learn and it, you start to... I mean, our, at that time, I already knew, but I can see other people when they read it, light bulbs going off in their head every single uh, chapter. And each, each chapter is only like three or four pages long. And, but each chapter, there's something to be learned from, from that book. And that's not just this, with that this book. book is, the this left, is left, right in the state. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a, okay. it's like, it's 434 pages, something like, I don't know how many articles it's a, it's a lot, but uh, he breaks down everything. He breaks down, he explains Marxism. Uh, he explains neoconservatism. He explains all these government scandals that have taken place since he's been around or ones that happened in the past before his time, but are still uh, greatly affected today. Like the Smoot Hawley uh, tariff, right? Something like that. Yeah. But uh, he, he talked about that a lot. And that's where I learned about that was from that book. Uh, or like he talks a lot about court packing and I learned about that from that book when FDR tried court packing. So I, I did not know much uh, that I know now until I read this book, like so much of what I know now and enjoy talking about and learning more about literally I got it from that book. So what I want to ask y'all before I talk about him anymore, talk about any specifics of the left, the right, and the state, or any of his other works and how I think they're good for, uh, you know, giving to people to learn uh, who, you know, need a basic understanding of things. Is there anyone else that y'all think of that uh, are good for laymen like myself or others to immerse themselves in and learn a lot about these topics that we, you know, obviously conversate a lot about? Uh, is there anyone else that you think should be pushed more? Tom Woods. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I see. I see Tom Woods as the heir to Lou Rockwell. I can see that totally because Tom Woods he puts out stuff just as much as Lou does. I mean, both are we. I mean, 
Porter. We saw him at Mises. Uh, you all day they were on their laptops typing up something or arranging something mm-hmm. or like I, I would walk over to Lou and just ask him how his day was going and he every single time every single time without fail he's on the front page of lourockwell.com curating it for tomorrow morning's uh, headlining articles on there so <laughs> yeah I, I, I agree with that one uh, Jay uh, Bob Murphy is also a really good one in the same vein as Tom Woods. I've heard, I haven't read him personally, but I've heard a lot of good things about his book choice mm-hmm. and how good that is for people who are just getting into it. And as weird as it is, like with, with the tirade you went on, I still think Rothbard is a really good way for people to get in because he, his topics, you know, maybe for a layman, that's a little bit more learned on economics, like folk like pay attention to their high school economics class but the way Rothbard writes still is not very heavy on the terminology like someone like Mises Rothbard very much like took Mises ideas and condensed them into a way that is easier for the layman to understand so I still think yeah we've said this before but Rothbard was really the first Austrian to write explicitly with the layman in mind Mm -hmm. now things like things like man economy and state were still written to be scholarly works of course yeah. but they're more accessible than something like human actions yeah but if you were to give somebody like uh what has government done to our money or yeah. anatomy of the state then those are really easy ways to get someone into the Austrian way of thinking and then they can build up from there so like if we were to recommend beginners definitely all of these uh choice tom woods books Lou Rockwell's books uh what has government done to our money those would all be really good things to give to a beginner yeah, and I agree with Rothbard, and I've, you know, I've always had him in mind. I, I guess I'm just trying to speak more contemporarily and think more contemporarily, which I did say Mises, so, you know, bad on me, but oh well. So before we go on back to Lou Rockwell, though, I also want to mention, like, I think Pete Quinones, uh, his podcast is pretty good because – That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I think, is really good. I think podcasts are, are actually maybe even better. Because not everyone, not us, it, but, has, but other people. <laughs> yeah, for other people, you know, not people like us, but for other people, real podcasts. Because, uh, some people they uh they just don't have the time to focus or sit down and read a book, or you know, some people it's just hard to have the patience to read a book. So for some people, I think podcasting is better. So I put Pete Quinones up there. I put Dave Smith up there. Uh, Tom Woods, like we mentioned. Uh, let's, I think, uh, Buck Johnson from death to tyrants, the way he interviews, uh, people and it's people like Paul Gottfried, uh, he's had Lou Rockwell on, uh, but the way he interviews them again, it's a way where anyone can just listen to the interview and be like, Oh, okay. I like these ideas. I like what this guy's talking about. This guy seems really cool. I'll look more into these kind of things. So I think all of those podcasts that we mentioned and all those authors that we mentioned are very good for. Uh, giving to basic people to say, hey, here's someone you can learn about these ideas from. Well, you know, actually, I will contest the point about Pete Quinones because it's it's not a discredit to a show. I love his show, and Porter can tell you, like, how much it's gotten me thinking a lot lately. He and I Jay and I have been talk talking about, a lot about his episodes lately. Yeah, especially lately, he's been getting on these killer guests, but I don't think Freeman Beyond the Wall lately is a good place to enter a beginner because it is lately a lot of higher level sort of ideas, even if it's not high level, they're higher level than what a beginner just can handle. So 
I would start them off generally with Tom Woods and part of the problem, maybe Contra Krugman, although that's been Done. canceled now, yeah. but still a lot of backlog there. And then maybe curate some early episodes of Free Man Beyond the Wall. Yeah. Right now, like he had Curtis Yarvin on, he had an episode about nihilism and Nietzsche yeah. and all that. So I would. And admittedly, I haven't listened to Free Man Beyond the Wall in a while. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't listen to podcasts much. I've talked about that before. Kind of when we started this podcast, I stopped listening to podcasts. Yeah, I've, but, minim- uh, I've minimized it down to like three or four shows. And Free Man Beyond the Wall is still the one I consistently listen to. Yeah. But uh, back to the subject at hand, unless, Porter, you got something else? Oh, no, I, I think y'all covered the bases. No, actually, so anyway, I, do, I, no, I do have one thing for you to continue. Yeah, we are not giving ourselves enough credit. Walter Block said we're just as good as the Tom Woods show. So, you know, what? our, show, our show point. should be and, in the echelons of beginner-level podcasts. And we had, I've, we've had people message us and say, like, oh, it's really actually interesting listening to y'all. And I've had... Uh, one mm-hmm. of my friends texted me and was like, "Oh yeah, I could definitely get a, get down with the idea of anarchism a lot more yeah. after Porter." Oh, it's usually me. after it's usually after the episodes Porter and I do on our own that we get the most feedback. Well, Porter, That's Porter true, yeah. jokingly asked a question about uh oh roads to Walter Block. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, my I asked Walter that, Block who uh, would build the roads. <laughs> yeah, and when my friend heard that, he was like, "Oh yeah, his answer made sense. Like I could get down with the idea of anarchism <laughs> a lot more now." And I was like, really? "I did not I expect like, to convince anybody to become an anarchist based on <laughs> same, that one joke question." But, same I mean, here. That was worked. funny. So yeah, we could we, we could give ourselves a little credit. Yeah, a little little pat on the back. Uh. Yeah, wait, Stratty, did we tell the Tom Woods story from Mises U already? I think Stratty is uh, frozen. Stratty is uh, being, yeah, cryo-frozen right now. I don't think we've told it on the show. No, we have um, not. We, we, have no, we have really done after hours of smoke breaks. Yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> we asked, uh, so, so like Jay mentioned, Block did tell us that we're just as good as the Tom Woods show when we interviewed him, which was hilarious and probably not true at all. Probably not, not, <laughs> not certainly. Nah, Walter Block <laughs> would so, never lie. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> and so at Mises U, Stratty and I walked up to Tom Woods and told him what Walter Block said. And he just kind of laughed and said, Walter Block's full of shit. He's <laughs> yeah. like, ah, oh, that Walter Block's full of shit. So uh, we're, uh, we're making the libertarian world fight over us right now, which means. We're not, yeah, like Jay said, we're not, not giving us ourselves enough credit. Yeah, yeah we're, we're desired well. goods. We're the bell of the ball, guys. Come on. Uh, oh, anyways, back to the subject at hand, Lou Rockwell. So uh, let's. I'll talk specifically first about the left, the right, and the state, and then I'll get into against the state because I, I know I've talked about it on here, but have I ever really gotten in depth about it? No, you only explain it as an influence. Cool. So. I'll do both. Uh, let me go get uh, the left, the right, and the state really quick. Should I get another beer? Should you? I should. Think carefully. No. Dude, I got to find a different spot for when we record during the afternoon because there's no one in this building right now, but it actually gets kind of busy during the day. I can't see Serena now that you open the blinds. Yeah, I just opened them because I do. You, do I need to close one at least? Yeah, I cannot see your face. I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't need to see your face. Just Is that like, good? read the book. Cool. Yeah, 
right. So <laughs> right now I'm holding the left, the right, and the state in my hands, and I'm just going to, like, looking at the pages, literally every chapter is, like, four to five pages on average. And I think that's easy for someone to just pick up, digest something really quickly, think about it, and, you know, have more thoughts about it. Uh, but looking at the chapters, he literally covers everything. So the first part is he talks about the state and he talks about things like, you know, why politics fail or, uh, you know, you know, how we should actually know our government, what our government actually does. And, you know, there's still liberty to be found even in the presence of living underneath the state. And uh, my favorite article he talks about why we should legalize drunk driving. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he has an interesting article in here actually where he kind of it's a bit longer i think but anyways oh no it's not long but he basically takes an anatomy of the state approach but applies it to just the state of iraq and uh he he did this around the time whenever we launched the war in iraq of course and it's really interesting because a lot of these articles come from that time and right now we think of lou rockwell as this you know he, this guy that just bashes leftists on the daily which he does and he's great at it but in this book, he goes after right-wingers a lot. So it's really cool to see that side of him, you know? So anyways, that's, you know, part one, the state. Part two, the left, he breaks it down into more sections. He talks about socialism as it is and the idea and ideology of socialism, how they make people uh, kind of succumb to it through subversive means, through things such as like cultural Marxism or the Fabian Society. And then... He has this next uh, section, which is on regulation. And I, I love that section because when I read, I read through this whole section of regulation, it's only like 16 pages long. And I read through it in one sitting, of course, because it's easy to read that many pages in one sitting. But when I read through it, it was like fireworks were going off everywhere in my head. And I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me climate change wouldn't be as bad as it is if we weren't subsidizing corporations through a central bank? So like I went from being not being able to understand that sentence at all and like my mind would be boggled by it and I probably would never learn about it just because I'm intimidated by the way it sounds alone. I went from feeling that way to being able to say it and explain it to people in the most basic ways possible just because I read that section. And he talks about all kinds of things, free trade, globalization, culture, and then he gets, you know, civil rights. He starts talking about the right and he, he talks about how the right has ultimately been uh he talks about how the right has ultimately been, been responsible through history uh for war through things such as nationalism in their culture embracing uh socialist economics to find conservative ideals even though that's counterproductive and counterintuitive if you think about it uh he, he talks about 9-11 he has a whole section about 9-11 that will make even the most patriotic person become a 9-11 truther and then uh he doesn't just talk about those three topics. He starts talking about the market. And uh, this is probably actually my favorite section of the book, totally, our favorite part of the book, because like I said before, it's because of this book, I'm able to understand Austrian economics. I'm able to argue Austrian economics. I'm able to get more into advanced theory of Austrian economics. So he basically takes economic ideas and then applies them to contemporary things happening in the news. Like, uh, he explains why, you know, um, he has this whole chapter, and I posted about this today on uh, Instagram, where he breaks down the fast food industry. He, he talks about, you know, how uh, fast food has basically been a miracle for 
poor people who didn't have access to cheap food uh, or really even this abundance of food that came about because of the market. And then he goes on to talk about how in nations where they do try to feed people through government action, uh, the result has actually always been pretty much starvation. Like look at the socialist nations that we uh, make fun of all the time. Uh, you know, they had these wealth distribution programs in place that were supposed to go towards feeding people nutritious meals. And instead it didn't work at all. The only people that were getting fat under socialism were the elite. Everyone can be fat under capitalism. I mean, shit, look at how obese this nation is. <laughs> so like <laughs> I was never, uh, I would have never been able to understand something like that. Why, uh, wealth district well i mean i always knew why wealth redistribution i always knew it was a bad thing but i was able to now argue why it was bad it doesn't even meet its own goals and then uh, he talks about things like price signals uh and he the way he explained that was he's talked about during hurricane katrina whenever uh you know uh bottles of water were like 70 bucks and how people were like this is terrible how could they do such a thing and he goes on to explain like yeah it sucks but that's kind of what we need to do if we don't want to lose supplies so quickly and have shortages. We need to adhere to price signals so we can understand when something is really, really, really in demand and we should probably find a substitute for it or when something isn't in demand and we can buy in bulk and save up on it for the future. And so like basic ideas like that, uh, are not, well, not, I won't even call them basic because Let's face it, it is, that is something hard for the common man to understand. I just want to take a quick break to announce that we have a Patreon now, where you can support us with money for some reason. That is patreon.com slash insurrectioninc. And if you don't want to support us with fiat, you can go to float.app slash insurrectioninc. That is F-L-O-T-E dot app and give us cryptocurrency. And if you don't want to give us money monthly, because why would you? You can go on down to our merch shop and pick something you like. Links will be in the description, and don't forget to join our Discord. Now back to the show. But I would have never understood ideas like that if it wasn't for someone like Lou Rockwell breaking it down and putting it into context that someone who at least keeps up with what's going on in the world can understand. Um, and I, I, I really do appreciate that because I think he was looking at it and was able to notice that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who do want to know more. Uh, the problem is they have trouble knowing, uh, learning more because of how hard learning can be sometimes. So for that reason alone, I would recommend this book to everyone. But the last part of this book, and then I'll talk about Against the State, last part of this book I think is great too because it's not really informal, but rather it's inspirational because it, it, it's, it's called What to Do. And he talks about like these, these are the steps we need to take if we want to secure liberty. And uh, the last one he has in there, it's a article called We Need an Angel Like Clarence. Uh, that article is really great to me because the, he just talks about the movie It's a Wonderful Life and the character Clarence in it and uh, how great that character is. And he's saying we need that in our movement. We need to show people like, you know, liberty is just not something you give up on. Liberty is just not something you quit. It's something you have. Use it. And I, I loved that because it was just, it, it gives me a lot of optimism. And I imagine it could give a lot of people a lot of optimism. Uh, 
So that's the left, the right, and the state. It's, like I said, 434 pages long. I believe you can find a copy, a free PDF of it on Mises.org. And also, all of these are articles that I believe you can find on LouRockwell.com. Uh, some of them probably not. They might be from uh, old newsletters like the Rothbard Rockwell Report uh, that are no longer in print and are hard to find PDFs of. So that's that book. Great book. I really recommend that to not people who are already into this kind of thing, but to people who aren't, in, aren't into this kind of thing and want to be in it, or to anyone who's trying to get their friends who you know, won't understand the intricate stuff give this to them and tell them to read it. And I promise you, they'll be, they'll be hooked. So that's for a basic general understanding of libertarianism, the libertarian ideology as a whole, in my opinion. Now against the state, and I've talked about on here, how uh, great uh, of an influence this book has been on my thinking. Uh, but let's take a look at what the book actually has. Uh, so, the book is against the state and it's called it's uh, anarcho-capitalist manifesto. And that's truly what it is because he, his forward, the introduction is he says why I'm, why I am an anarcho-capitalist. And he basically, he lays it out for you. He doesn't say, I think, or uh, I think it could be, he says it is, it's the only consistent ideology uh, both through economics and politically wise. Uh, I now he doesn't use that word, but, uh, he he just talks about it and then he basically ends it by he saying made up that word. So. Yeah, but uh, he goes on to say basically at the end of it, like, so now let me tell you why it is what it is, and it's already got you hooked. You're like, okay, all right, teach me. <laughs> like, like this sounds badass. So the first uh, chapter, it's about the war system as a whole, and he crushes it. He breaks it down uh, about how it's you know. It only favors the elite. That's, those are the only people who benefit off of it. The rich send the poor off to go die. And that's not a fault of capitalism, but rather a fault of uh, corporatism and central banks. And, and like he broke it down in such a way of like, I would have never even considered these kind of thoughts had I read this book. And now that the thoughts have crept into my mind, it's all I can think about. It's all I can talk about. Next chapter is the war on drugs. Again, I've always thought like, you know, all drugs should be legal, but I never understood how the war on drugs was totally immoral until I read this chapter and wow, it targets minorities. Uh, it, you know, again, it benefits the elite while the poor uh, suffer from it. It packs the prisons up and the prisons, you know, they want, they want them to be packed because they make more money when the prisons are packed, the state does. So, and then the next one is the assault on our liberties. He goes through all kinds of legislations and such that attack uh, the liberty that belongs to us, that we have. Uh, the banker's war on America, the Fed. Man, uh, as you all know on here, I hate the Federal Reserve. That's probably the thing I talk about the most. Uh, I, I kind of got into it just because I liked Ron Paul. I just kind of echoed it because I liked Ron Paul. Uh, Reading Ron Paul is a little hard because he's a bit too basic and a bit too boring when he writes. Lou Rockwell, though, whoo, man, he made me passionately hate the Fed. And I've never – that's something obviously you guys know I have not been able to shut up about since you all have met me. Um, None so of us can. 
So that, don't yeah, pride that's yourself. Something, that's something great about it. Next chapter. Um, actually, this might be my favorite chapter is American fascism. Um, I've ever since I've read this book, believe that America is a fascist country because of how uh, they conduct matters economically uh, and politically and also how they introduce legislation. Um, I would have never, again, understood that idea, considered that idea, or talked about that idea had I not read it. And then th this chapter, I know you guys are going to love because uh, this is something that, you know, classical liberals, minarchists bring up to us all the time and try to make an argument for why not limited government? He, he basically breaks down that, you know, checks and balances can never exist. Who's going to be checking? Who's going to be checking on this guy? Who's going to make sure his balance is powered out? Okay. What about the guy that's doing that job? You know, it's just a never ending Pandora's box that's opened up whenever government exists itself. Um, and then how would anarchy work? That's the last uh, chapter. And uh, that one made me realize anarchy is the way. Uh, that's what we got to embrace. Politics isn't working out for us. Elections aren't working out for us. Uh, sure, it's cool to use it as a tool to a minimum degree just to bring people onto these ideas, but you got to ditch it at some point. You can't just keep holding on to it because, I mean, as much as we love Ron Paul, he's a hero done great you know we can never speak bad about that man but he didn't get too much done in congress you know he was just there spreading the message as he says and that, i mean god bless him for that but we need people on every front and not every person is going to be qualified enough to run for congress or get a seat in congress so we need just people to realize let's get direct action like you say jay let's let's start embracing a direct action let's practice direct action uh or let's practice uh counter uh economics let's stop buying from these places that you know the state benefits from when we buy and let's just go to mom and pop shop let's 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 shop local let's empower the real free markets that exist i those are ideas i espouse and love to talk about today and pretty much have dedicated wanted to i'm going to dedicate my life to spreading and it's all because of these two books that. I like I would like to take a second and say that Strati has just endorsed me over Porter as the official agorist of the show. No, no, <laughs> Even Porter has been the agorist for longer. Okay, you've read more Conkin, so <laughs> I have read uh, more Conkin. No, I, just, uh, I, no. I I'm a better agorist than uh, Porter because I also own cryptocurrency. So. Porter, I will read. deny that you Porter. you are doing more practice than I am. Like that's okay. Mm -hmm. My praxis I'm still better. not 100% convinced on cryptocurrency. My praxis is better. Going back and forth on the economics of it. Porter has uh, read Pear Byland, though, and not many of us can say that because his books are expensive. So uh, <laughs> His books that's, are that's expensive. Tr shit. That's true. But anyways. He like, actually, okay, let me interject. Just because Jay brought yeah. that up. I'm sorry, Stratty, I had to do this. He has to so, flex. He has to flex real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is cool. So this that is, article when we entered when we interviewed uh, Sal, Sal said the the most underrated piece of agorist literature is a short article on LouRockwell.com, <coughs> as a matter of fact, uh, called "A Strategy for Pushing Back Against the State" by Parabyland, and he actually wrote uh, his book "The Seen, the Unseen, and the Unrealized," which I've read. Uh, with that article in mind, it was like an expansion of that article, basically uh, an expansion into the economic theory of it, really uh, not just the, the strategy. 
And so that that could be should be considered a major piece of Agoras literature, I think. And uh, Jay hasn't read it, so <laughs> I agree with Porter. I got that and, one. Uh, we we talked about this at Mises U actually, and uh, throughout talking with Porter that whole week at Mises U, I basically told him one night like, "Yeah, I totally get it now. I totally see why people think Parabylon is the greatest living economist," and I agree now. Like, I I, I think he is. <laughs> But yeah, but let no. Let me counter. Let, okay. let me counter flex one, one last time. Thing one last thing. One last thing. One last thing. I don't <laughs> care how much you've read. I've engaged in more black market activity than you allegedly. So, eat it in Minecraft again. I didn't deny that. I mean, <laughs> it's all I, about I'm praxis. Okay. It's actually... all about it's all about praxis, Porter. That's the whole point of a board. Anyway, that's not this episode. So, <laughs> wait a minute. Isn't that like I have a something in the works though? Trust Isn't me. that a leftist uh, saying where they're like, uh, "Praxis ain't shit," or no, uh, "Theory ain't shit with no praxis," something like that? I've seen. Well, that's also that's also a different discussion a... for that's a different discussion for a different episode. Yeah, we'll talk. That's it. That's a yeah. As right it turns down, out, Rothbard thought we are leftists, but that's yeah. a whole. whole <laughs> yeah, that's whole another episode. episode. That's another episode <laughs> in the planning. So we're gonna get to that another day. But anyway, right, so uh, I do have a I do have a question uh, for Stratty though, like a legitimate yeah. one regarding introductory literature, because I've read a lot, even though I was already maybe an anarchist for a year, year and a half by the time I started reading the anarchist literature, I went through a lot of introductory literature. So I've read, uh, what's it called? It's on the tip of my tongue. Anatomy of the State. I've read the yeah. New Libertarian Manifesto, not yet, yeah, New Libertarian Manifesto, which is yep. really right an one. introductory thing. It's like 30, 40 pages. I've read this Libertarian Manifesto. I didn't know it was that Anarch short. It's very, it is very short. It's shorter it's than Anatomy short. of the State. 60 pages, oh, and Anatomy okay. of the State is 90 pages. Uh, but then I've read. No, uh, I, think, I think New Libertarian Manifesto is actually longer than Anatomy of the State. No, it's but shorter. They're both, it's it shorter. is? It's, it's well, shorter. They're both under 100 pages. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I finished in one sitting in a car no, I I downloaded it off the internet because you know I'm better at yeah. than you. So <laughs> okay, I, I read Anatomy of the State in, in one sitting too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I read Anatomy of the State during Spanish class all <laughs> throughout. So, like it's so short. I read it. I read it during my uh, business statistics class that I'd already done all the work for because <laughs> it was the actual in class periods were useless. <laughs> But and I've also read this one, Libertarian Anarchy Against the State by Gerard Casey, which for me personally, after reading it, I think over Anatomy of the State, over New Libertarian Manifesto, over all the other introductory ones would be the book that I recommend to people if they're starting out into libertarianism, because it does a really, it's not economics heavy at all. It's a very theory heavy book. So it skips the economics and it goes into explaining the history of the state, it's got a lot of history in it that I think even learned libertarians and anarchists can learn a lot from. It has what is libertarianism, it has what is anarchism, why you should be an anarchist, historical examples of it. And I think it is the best takedown I've read personally. I haven't read Rockwell, so I can't comment, but I think this one would be my go-to. So why over something like this or Anatomy of the State? would you recommend aside from reading out the chapter house what is it really captivated you the most over other things that are created really for the entry-level layman okay so over i can't speak for over that book because i haven't read that book but i want to now because it does sound interesting 
as it's really for, I recommend it. As for why I would put against the state, I wouldn't put against the state over anatomy of the state, but I also wouldn't put anatomy of the state over against the state because I think against the state, because I read, I know I read anatomy of the state before I read against the state. Anatomy of the state did not sell me on the idea of being an anarchist, but it definitely had me thinking, oh, I'm a little more sympathetic to these ideas and I can consider them, but I'm not, I don't subscribe to them yet. And uh, against the state did that for me. It, it made me subscribe to those ideas and it made me realize why these ideas are legit, why they are the way to go. Um, also, and I'll, uh, this is something I'm, I'm kind of happy you asked this now because I wasn't going to bring this up. In Against the State specifically, he does do it a lot in, in uh, the left, the right, and the state. But in Against the State specifically, Lou Rockwell uses language that just makes your blood pump, dude. Like he has this one paragraph where he's talking about cops and he's just like these blood sucking leeches uh, or these, these, uh, these blood sucking leeches who use our funds to be tyrannical thugs and, and oppress our liberty, something like that. But it just makes you like, Oh yeah. Fuck cops. <laughs> like that's how, that's how you, that's how you feel reading it. And, uh, so, I mean, that's one reason, uh, to, uh, yeah, it's great that anatomy of the state is short or new libertarian manifesto is also short and they include good, uh, little, historical anecdotes and such like that however they're not necessarily contemporary uh, against the state was written in i think 2013 so there's like some very contemporary issues it talks about that we still uh face today and are ongoing or that we grew up through and happened in our childhood you know uh so he talks about things like that and also it's a little more expansive than those books like uh no this book against the state's not economics heavy at all either and I honestly would not recommend an economics heavy book to someone because I think that will scare them away. I think just showing them the theory and basic ideas of how we should treat people or what kind of how we should conduct ourselves as, as a society and is government a good idea or not? And why are the basic ideas against government and what are the basic ideas for government? I think that's a better way to get people immersed than handing them something economics heavy because Mm -hmm. I mean, economics is, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to understand once you, un once you understand it, but it's scary at first, like in terms yeah. of, it's a lot to take into, it's a lot to factor in. Yeah. For me, it was like, I got into it immediately through the economics perspective because I was the only person in my AP macro class that actually enjoyed economics and decided like halfway into the year before we even started it, that economics was going to be my major in college. And I've stuck with it since. So, you know, for me personally, that it clicked already with me per on a personal level for other people. I definitely understand that trying to give them something that's practically an economics textbook of libertarian economics isn't going to work well. And I think the, what you put there talking about that chapter about the police is something that would make me consider choosing my audience if I'm recommending a book because libertarian anarchy, I love it personally and I think it's great, but even though it's pointed at the layman, it's pointed at a certain type of layman, the type that you know is already going to be a little more intellectual leaning. So it doesn't use language aside from a few glib remarks here and there to give it a little light. It doesn't have much language that's going to get your blood boiling. Instead, it's going to get your mind thinking in the same way anatomy of the state does, even though it's I just looked up, this was published 
a year before against the state. But then if against the state has that certain language that riles people up, then if you know your audience, that's something that could be really useful, getting somebody riled up to think about it. Yeah, and I'm, you, I mean, I think y'all know me enough to say that, yeah, I'm that kind of person that likes to get riled up about something and start talking and going off about something. But uh, I like that you brought up, you know, how you came to understand economics because it wasn't that I didn't know what economics was or understand like the very, very, very basic ideas of economics before I read this book. Uh, because I grew up, I grew up every morning uh, at breakfast. My dad would read the paper and I would watch Sesame Street. But my dad would talk to me while, while I tried to watch it and just talk about, you know, that's the train offer. Location, 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 or the broken window fallacy. He goes off about that. My dad's a big bo- uh, bossy talk guy. But uh, what did you just call him? Bosti tot? It's Bastiat. Bastiat. All right. But anyway, <laughs> He, my dad really oh my god my dad read that guy a lot my dad read who was it oh uh milton friedman and walter williams a lot he read both those guys a lot so he would always talk about those things as i was growing up but when you're young you don't care about it like yeah because it was repeated to me so much it kind of soaked into my mind like if i heard it i'm like oh yeah i know what that is but then it was actually, I guess, reading the book, Left, the Right, and the State, it, it uh, I guess, made me realize why economics matter, why these things matter, why they need to be emphasized, and why they need to be expanded upon, looked into more, just things like that. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. But the, So now I want to ask Porter, though. Porter, what do you think is a good introductory uh, – doesn't even have to be book, just introductory type writing uh, for – someone to read to get into this kind of stuff well i don't have any specific recommendations like i think y'all covered the bases there but something i will say is uh like jay was talking about you have to find a specific type of writing you know and it uh, appeals to certain people i think that's something important for libertarians to recognize is that you're never going to convince everybody there are just some people out there who legitimately believe they have the right to control the people around them and enforce their will on others no matter what that might be or how ridiculous it might be or how how much it might be against the interests of everyone else or um you know violates their rights in the rothbardian sense or whatever uh so it is important that you get something that you have to you have to pick your audience basically pick your battles uh and so i'm glad that y'all are recommending books like against the state and uh libertarian anarchy because i do think that once you find out who's receptive to your audience or who's receptive to your message, I mean, once you find out that audience, you should take it all the way. These books should be explicitly anarchist because things like Milton Friedman and, and Walter Williams, like you said, they were, they were pretty good, like decent classical liberals. Uh, even I hate the term classical liberal, but like, you know, like pretty good minarchist guys, basically. Uh, they're, but they're good if you want to learn more about the other sides of issues. But if you're trying to get someone to, get into the ideas and embrace these ideas they're not yeah i think you should start off explicitly anarchist i think there are ways to to walk them into that where it's not it doesn't immediately turn them off when when you hear the word anarchy but uh still is is explicitly that from the instead of someone who only goes halfway like milton friedman which you know can still be educational but it's not the end goal. You start someone off with that. It builds up kind of a barrier in their mind against yeah. 
the consistent view that, that we believe we have. Uh, so I am, I'm glad that people like Lou Rockwell exist who yeah. can write books like that, that introduce people to that, these ideas uh, in a consistent way without uh, turning them off immediately. And like I said earlier, like Tom Woods, I think is the next best example of that. Uh, what's the author? Gerard Casey, is that the name that wrote Libertarian yeah. Anarchy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad those guys exist because I'm not sure I could do that. I come off a little too heated sometimes, but uh, I do yeah. think that's the best way to do it is to be explicitly anarchist from the start. There's only one minarchist type person that I think I would recommend to anyone for someone to read as a beginner thing because I, I know they would read this person and then become an anarchist, and that's Ron Paul. Like, I know I said he was a boring author earlier. It's not that he's boring, he's just more redundant. And I, but that's also kind of good because redundancy is good. You know, if you repeat something enough, it will instill in your mind. But The Revolution by Ron Paul, that's the book that made me start uh, appreciating libertarian ideals. Like, I still said stuff like, oh, no, we need police, you know, stuff like that. But obviously, Ron Paul needs to keep an image to a degree because of what he what his position is in the liberty movement. Whereas someone like Lou Rockwell could just come out and be like, nah. You know, talk about the police, you know, and we do need people like that. So, Porter, that's a great point you made. I'm very uh, happy you made that one. Stratty said, let's keep this clean episode. And he has so far cursed more than me, which is yeah. astounding. I, was, I know. I was the only one that didn't adhere to that. So, no, Porter you guys. also once or twice. Oh, yeah. Porter did say shit. When was the second time? I don't know. Oh, well, did I? I don't even remember. You did. Jay's running off been, on me. <laughs> I have had the cleanest tongue this entire episode, and this that is, is awesome. rare. Go ahead and get it out of your way right now, because this, this isn't going on me. <laughs> I'm, uh, nah, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Uh, I got uh, nothing to curse about, so. So, I mean, I think this has been a great episode, though. I can already see it getting a few shares here and there, maybe quite a bit of listeners. Uh, anything y'all want to talk about before we wrap up? Because I've pretty much said what I want to say. Uh, I mean, there are a few interesting things you said earlier in your rant, but I can't really remember them now. So <laughs> I did want to talk more about uh, LouRockwell.com. That's, yes. I think that's a, one of his biggest achievements that goes overlooked. Obviously, his books You're are right. great. I yeah. think LouRockwell.com might be one of the, the single most influential things that's ever happened to the liberty movement because that's uh, it's, it was one of the original places that a lot of, um, you know, like Rothbard and, and Mises shorter articles got republished. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, tons and tons of original articles. Like I mentioned that, that Harab Island article that Sal considers one of the most uh, important, but underrated works of Agorist literature that was on lourockwell.com originally. Um, tons and tons of articles. And a, a lot of it is kind of the same way, like explicitly anarchist, but walks you into it. And, and so it's still good for beginners or people who haven't really been introduced to the ideas yet. And it, it, you know, it's a consistent platform that, you know, is, is very radical when you really look at it, but uh, doesn't scare people away at the same time. And just the sheer volume of, uh, of work that's been put out on there is, is uh, invaluable to the Liberty Movement. So before you wrap up, I'll say a few things about LouRockwell.com. That's the one, that and Zero Hedge. Those are the two websites I, I check every day and look at their front page. However, LouRockwell.com has been around since 1999, and they have a ton of authors on there. Some aren't even listed. 
you have to like look for them. Uh, so one of my favorite things to do when I'm really, really, really bored and lourockwell.com is open on my laptop, go to the search bar and just type in a random word and see what kind of articles pop up on it. It's so fun. And there's always great stuff on the front page of Lou Rockwell. It's a news site. So there's always going to be something uh, current events wise, but there's even philosophical things like David Gordon's on there. So yeah, lourockwell.com. That's an awesome website. Check that one out, everyone. Uh, and uh, I don't know what about him founding the Mises Institute because that's also like he is the yeah. founder of the Mises, in- like not Rothbard, not Walter Bl- Lou Rockwell, founder of the Mises Institute, of course, with his buddies Walter Block and Murray Rothbard and all that. But he founded it. So, what's the story there? Like, I never even looked into that. So, Lou Rockwell actually started out as Mises' uh, editor in the 70s really? after he graduated from high school. He started, he got a job as Libertarian Press, and uh, one day someone called him, think Neil McCaffrey or something, someone like that, and they called him and just said, how would you like to be Ludwig, Ludwig von Mises' uh, editor? The way you pronounce things. Anyways, he uh, showed up, and it was like 1970, early 1970s, uh, but he showed up, had lunch with uh, him and his wife, Margaret von Mises, and uh, they, that was basically it you know he shook his hand and he just became his editor and uh down the line he met murray rothbard and murray rothbard got him into anarchism and then he met uh ron paul and they became very good friends and he became ron paul's chief of staff and he was working for another institute at the time that was kind of libertarian based but it wasn't it wasn't a big one and it didn't wasn't really having big aims so he just just said one day he's like uh i'm gonna go start off my own thing and they were like okay and he got millionaires to start investing in stuff. But the, here's something crazy. The Koch brothers got, uh, they met, they uh, contacted him and they didn't want him to mm-hmm. do this because uh, they didn't like that it was, an, you know, he was taking a basically uh, an anarchist take on libertarianism and economics in general and going to the extreme <laughs> with it. Well, uh, that and one of the Cokes had founded the Cato Institute with yeah, Rothbard. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. That, well, I was going to get into that. That's a, that was a part of the – because this was during the planning of getting the Mises Institute launched. The Mises Institute didn't launch till 1982. Uh, Murray Rothbard left the Cato Institute in 1981. It's because of this. That's, mm-hmm. This is part of the reason. There's a lot to it, but that is part of the reason. Um, okay, so going on, though, you know, Lou Rockwell just – he – over the years got a lot of investors and stuff and donors and started out in I think California and uh they had their first uh Mises U's and such in like Southern California and some other places it got settled in Alabama when John V Denson I believe contacted him and was uh he's a professor at Auburn and just said like uh there's a piece of property here we can I think either give to you or sell they sold to him really cheap and that's how the Mises Institute came about in Auburn, Alabama. Uh, however, you know, you bring up that, like Porter brought up, I wasn't even considering this when we did this episode, but how Porter brought up, LouRockwell.com is probably the most influential libertarian mm-hmm. publication out there. And then Jay, you just brought up the Mises Institute. When it comes to anarcho-capitalism, there's no better institute. There's no better, you know, place to go to to learn about that in general is no, no, be- no better place than the Mises Institute. Lou Rockwell's is responsible for both those creations. Mm-hmm. Lou Rockwell's responsible for popular popularizing people like 
Mises, Rothbard, Ron Paul. He was behind the Ron Paul campaign. Uh, I mean, as great as Mises and Rothbard are, no one would be reading them if it wasn't for Lou Rockwell. No one would be reading them. We would not know who those people are if it wasn't for Lou Rockwell. So just like us coming to that conclusion from there, we can say like Lou Rockwell is the godfather of the liberty movement in a sense. Mm, yeah. If it wasn't for him, there would be no liberty movement. There would be no Ron Paul. There would be no Mary Rothbard. There would be no Mises Institute. There would be no love for Ludwig von Mises. And Why do you say things? And, <laughs> but and the, this is a funny analogy I like to make, but Lou Rockwell is like the Dr. Dre of the of the liberty <laughs> movement because because of him, we the same way of Dr. Dre, we figured out all these great rappers we would have never heard of unless they had Dr. Dre as their producer. We figured out so many great libertarian writers because they had Lou Rockwell in their corner. They had Lou Rockwell to go out there and promote them on such an amazing platform as LouRockwell.com and the Mises Institute. Well, so you know, for that, we have so much to thank him for. Let me tell you why that's a bad analogy. Two reasons. Number one, I only know one rapper that uh, Dr. Dre promoted, <laughs> and that's Eminem. Bad analogy for you. <laughs> and number two, number two, I've listened to Dr. Dre. I haven't read Lou Rockwell. Bad analogy <laughs> for you. Bad analogy. For if it doesn't you, click with if it, if it doesn't click with me, it's a bad analogy. No, there's some there's people that will appreciate that that do appreciate that. Uh, I've, got, I've got a better analogy, and this this is how good it is that it's gonna go right over your head. Oh, Lou yeah. Rockwell is a Rory Gallagher of the of the libertarian world. He's done so much. Is that the guy from uh, Oasis? No, not at all. No, that uh, I think it's Noel Gallagher. Okay, and the brothers. But no, no, Rory Gallagher was an Irish blues guitarist who has an amazing catalog. He revolutionized blues by mixing with traditional Irish, like, scales. And he's underappreciated as hell outside of the small circles. So that is why it's a good analogy for Lou Rockwell. Okay, I'll accept it. Porter, do you have an analogy before we wrap up? (laughs) I do not have an analogy to contribute. I don't think so. Okay. Lou Rockwell is a pair violin of the libertarian. You know what? I got one. I got okay. one. Okay. <laughs> Shoot, what's his name though? Oh, that's how good that Lou analogy Rockwell is. is the Ro- <laughs> he's got. He's he's the Roger Bannister of the Liberty Movement. Bannister was the first one to run a four minute mile, a sub four minute mile. And I like he, my analogy better. Barrier. It was. It was. It was it, I didn't running say is, I had a better is, analogy. I just stupid. said I had one. Running is stupid. I like yours, Porter. But <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Stratty. Yeah. So this has been Insurrection Inc. for the week. Thank you all for tuning in. Do you all have any plugs? No, uh, yeah. If we, ever, if we yeah, ever I know. Have I was like, to... I don't have any anymore. <laughs> Cop report's gone. <laughs> what do I have to fucking if we... show people? <laughs> if we ever have to run off to the woods because the state tries to, I don't know, forcibly vaccinate us or something, <laughs> then uh, running will come in handy because there there are lots of black bears around where I live in the mountains and they're not particularly aggressive. But the good thing is if one decides to get aggressive, I don't have to run faster than the bear. I just have to run faster than Jay and Stratty. That's that's pretty easy. That's not a plug. And number two, there's these things called guns. How's that a plug? I'll I'll kneecap you first to be sure. How's that that a fucking (laughs) plug?
not, now Porter not just sounds like the guy We're doing that's plugs. Like, Porter sounds like the guy that's like, I'll bench 415 to whoop your ass, boy. <laughs> He's a trained Navy SEAL. He has 300 confirmed kills in Afghanistan. Oh, uh, no. He's training, he's training was, guerrilla warfare. I was supporting your healthy habits until you decided to be a little asshole, so fuck you. <laughs> Jay, you got any plugs? Hey, Stratty, Stratty, I know you could run faster than Jay. I'll give okay, you that yeah, much. Yeah, to Jay, I could, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty You're not getting eaten by the I'm not a good either. runner, but I could run faster than Jay. How's, how's that even comparison? I was a slow runner already, and I have all my fucking vices. That's like saying I run faster than a cripple. It'll be it'll be a test to see whose lungs give out faster, Jays or Stratties. Jays, come on now, Jays. Mine were you're mine right. Mine were awful from birth. Like I had horrible lungs from birth. I used to have an inhaler in elementary school. So I, have, uh, I one, still one, use one an more, inhaler. I have one more. I have quick. severe lung problems actually that I didn't one I didn't find more. out about them until like last week. So I just went on the inhaler, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently see, it's I, pretty bad. I'll tell I, you all about not, that off air. But see, I'm not a pussy so i can breathe but anyways uh i have one funny story real quick before we end the episode but whenever we got to when when we got to auburn uh we just we went to jay's airbnb because he was visiting of course it was me cotton and uh my brother matt jay sat down jay sat down was having a cigar a cigarette and his vape all at the same time in one sitting and did not realize it and did not realize it while also drinking wild turkey no i realized it i know i was doing jesus christ all right i knew we were having cigars and i was like well my yeah jay's definitely the one getting eaten by the bear yeah no because i have a gun okay well you're the one who's gonna have to stay behind and shoot i don't have to worry about that okay then we have food do you know what hunting is oh god can we wrap this up and argue off air (laughs) Yes, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, we can. Leave us a rating. If you're on YouTube for whatever reason, leave a like, subscribe, share the podcast. It helps us grow. We hate you all, but we love you. Have a good day. Also, by the time this goes out, we may have a a merch store up. Not sure yet. We're working on that. We're very we're very close to having it finalized. So not confirmed. We're awful with deadlines. We didn't even get an episode (laughs) up this week, so whatever. See you guys later.